We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. One we are willing to postpone. And one we have to win. Here's a ground ball right side. Could do it. The Cheers, bruv. Cheers, bruv. Watching In British it. fucking television. Oh, Fuck me, dude. Wild. That's good shit. Oh, shit. All right, all right. All right lock in. Here we go. Lock it in. <clears throat> lock, lock it up. You lock it up. <clears throat> all right, here we go. Welcome back to another edition of Beyond the Diamond Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. Brian Lalima, Apollo Des here with you. Follow us on Twitter at blima790, at ApolloDes1. And we are... Here with another episode, and this time, Des, uh, the Astros, man, they are uh, they're playing okay. Stinky, yeah, man. you know, at some point, you know, we said it on the last episode, um, as we're jumping right into segment one, um, we said it on the last episode, or, or I know I, I did at least, and I'm sure you agree, because we usually stay on the same page when it comes to baseball IQ, uh, but at some point, we knew the Astros were going to struggle, right? They won 11 in a row at one point. Um, you know, it's, I mean, it's baseball, right? So watching them lose to the Orioles and the Tigers, not fun, but they're human. The team is going to struggle at some points. I am fully convinced, you can call me crazy, but I'm fully convinced that when, when the Astros go against A.J. Hinch, they don't win. They're going to struggle. Yeah, it's all mental. A.J. Hinch knows, yeah, mental thing, right? A.J. Hinch knows that lineup. And a lot of those guys that are still around that played under him, um, and he's got their number. They split with uh, they split with the Astros, or I'm sorry, the Astros split with the Tigers. What two and two? Right? It was a four game series. Um, so and then they come home and they beat the Orioles and then lose to the Orioles. I mean, it is what it is. It's a long season. Um, still, the bullpen's got a little bit of woes. I think the craziest thing is like watching that game last night. We're recording this on Tuesday. They played Monday night and they almost. They almost made a pretty solid comeback in the bottom of the ninth. But the crazy thing to me is people on Twitter last night were really calling for Dusty Baker's head again. And it's, it's crazy to me. This is a 162-game season, and, and you really want Dusty Baker to run out Ryan Presley in a game like that? Or a Ryan Stanek, or whatever it is. You know, Belak got roughed up a bit. Uh, who uh, who came in after him? Was it Robel Garcia? Not Robel Garcia. He's a position player. What's the what's the uh, we what's we the, in the last inning we went be like to yeah. Garza, Garza, Ralph Garza. Sorry, Ralph Ralphie. Garza Jr. Not Robel Garcia. Yeah, Ralph Garza Jr. He got roughed up a little. Got bit. sweet lettuce. At some, he has a sweet flow. He does. Yeah, got nice nice letty. But at some point, dude, it's like you're not going to run your premium arms out there, right? So. I don't know. It's it is what it is to yeah. me. It's 162. I think games, last so. night was kind of uh, a May baseball game. It was a starter not going deep. Um, Grinky just didn't get extended last night, and you know, shout out to Baltimore for making them throw a lot of pitches and some really tough at bats. And so, uh, and then you had a bullpen that I think before the game, Dusty talked about that Stanek and Presley were not available. So there goes your eight nine guy. And so you're, you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. And we had to go to arms early. Our boy Scrub is uh, called back up and uh, had a little appearance, did well. And the thing that just really, if I had to say anything that irked me the most, was that it seemed like Dusty Baker and Strami hunted the game. And it was 2-2 yeah. in the ninth. And no disrespect to Brandon Belak, he's a friend of the program. His family's a friend of the program. He did his job in the eighth inning. And for a young kid that's been up and down a lot, has struggled a bit this year, um, he had a positive inning. And I would have, I would just would have pulled him then. Like you had an inning where he came in, he got in some trouble, got out of the trouble, no runs, and and did what he had to do. And then they sent him back out there for the ninth, and he looked gassed. Like he was already at, yeah. I think he had 20 plus pitches already. 
And then it was just BP. And it's an easy, low-hanging fruit punching bad for, for everyone on the timeline. But he did his job. And as a, as a manager with a guy that's so young and been up and down, you just got to protect him in that moment. And I think Dusty said after the game, when he, when he talked to everyone in, in the media, he was like, uh, you know, I had, I had Ralph or I had Brooks Raley, and he wanted to save Raley for a save appearance, which kind of didn't make any sense because you're going to be in a situation where you could walk off a game. There was never going to be a save opportunity um because it was already the the bottom half of the line. like it it just was kind of weird um i would have went brooks there over over ralph and ralph got teed up ralph's kind of been that punching bag either in a blowout or um either way offensively we were up a lot of runs and, and he comes in the game or we're down a lot of runs and he comes in the game so uh it really felt like we punted game and gave one away it's 162 i'm not worried about but it's felt like an early may game and i know everyone was yeah. really really critical and dusty um, but I just think it was a, a hand that was dealt and all the other things, but it sucks losing to the Orioles. Yeah. I think when it comes to punting games and I get, I get what you're saying in the grand scheme and the, if it's, if, if you're going to sacrifice a May loss to, I'm sorry, a June loss to the Orioles for the greater good of middle relief guys and late inning relief guys, you know, like Ryan Presley, uh, Ryan Stanek, if, if that's what you're doing to help them, to benefit them way down the road, then I'm okay with it. Does losing suck? Absolutely. A lot of guys, you and I especially, hate losing more than we like winning, right? So losing at any point sucks, especially to the Orioles, because they are god-awful. Yeah. But you have to understand that this is 162 games. It's okay. It's okay uh, that they, it's not, okay, I'm trying to, it's, 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 it's a, not the end of the world. What is it? Right, it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? You hate losing, but you're kind of okay with it because you're saving Ryan Stanek, you're saving Ryan Presley, the offense didn't look as good, whatever, move on from it, right? So um, the thing that bothers me is what you said. Um, in the media availability after the game. What do, what do you mean you're, you're saving Brooks Raley for a safe situation? You were losing going into the bottom of the ninth. Where was the Here's safe the situation? Like you're, you're ready to go into extra innings and then, then you have a safe situation? Because even then, if you're in extra innings, you have to win by a walk-off. Yeah. So there's no safe situation. So it's like, what do we got going on? Um, and then, you know, people were kind of critical of, of Dusty on the timeline on Twitter. Obviously, you take stuff on Twitter with a grain of salt. It is what it is. The stuff where we see that Brent Strom might be uh, making the pitching calls. He is the pitching wizard. Um, at times, it doesn't seem like maybe Dusty and Stromy are on the same page. I could be completely wrong, but just from the outside looking in, at times. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, look, you lose to the Orioles. It sucks. You move on. It's June. You're not playing as well as you were. But that's going to happen in a long season. You're going to hit your strides. You're going to hit your lulls. It's how you bounce back from that. It's how you come out of that. So, look, it's about to be the all-star break. You have a couple series left. Play well. Uh, Much-needed rest for a few guys. In reality, man, the Astros could have, like, seven all-stars this year. And four or five of them could be starters. Yeah. So... You've, I mean, you look at the voting, you've got Altuve, Correa, Yuli, Michael Brantley. Um, Ryan Presley should be an all-star, right? So uh, you can make a case for Zach Grinke, re regardless Luis of his Garcia. outing last night. Yeah, Luis Garcia, him too. There you go. So the guys that need the rest are going to get their rest. Alex Bregman may not be back for a month from what Dusty said to the media today. That broke, that broke so today, that, correct? Yeah, yeah, that did break today. So that kind of sucks. but. No rush to bring him back because the offense is hitting pretty damn well. Um, and when we talk about the offense, I'm just going to get this out here. Look, as the resident Miles Straw guy. Here we go. For Apollo HOU. Yeah. He is absolutely making me eat my words. Look. And I will, I will say it. You know, people on Twitter are like, where are the, where are the Miles Straw haters now? Blah, blah, blah. Look, motherfucker, I'm right here. I'm still <laughs> right here. Spicy Brian, baby! I hated on Miles Straw for so long, and I will, I will admit that. I don't give a shit. 
Was I being critical of a Major League Baseball player that's a better athlete than I am? Absolutely. Do I love seeing him come through it and hit 270, which he is now, take better routes in the outfield, get better jumps, get better reads on balls? Hell yes. It helps solidify the lineup even more for the Houston Astros. So here I am saying kudos to Miles Straw. Thank you for making my for making me eat my words. I'm stumbling over words because it just got me shook. It's got me rattled. Wait, he's he's hey, played. I'm he's here. Played really, really, really. He good has. Baseball. He's played well. He, he's played. He's good having baseball. really good at bats with two strikes and two out. Um, he's kind of coming to his own, and there's no better team for a young young player, um, to emerge to become a big leaguer because it it's tough. Like when you make that jump from triple um, a to the bigs and you stay up and you're an everyday starter it's 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 a whole new world and i think this this lineup the way it's constructed with altuve and bregman and brantley and yuli and perea and all these other guys all these other dudes all these number one guys that are just straight goons that are a centerpiece for any other team across the league you don't have to be that guy you don't ha- you can just grow up and learn how to be a big leaguer and I'm not saying like he's I'm not speaking like he's a rookie but as an everyday starter he had so much shoes to fill replacing George Springer that's tough when you look at it that's tough because George Springer was that guy he was the guy on the Sports Illustrated magazine he's a World Series MVP he hits all these home runs he's done all these things great for the city and you're the guy that has to replace that that's tough because you're gonna be in that shadow and he's starting to come in his own I, I I put it on the Twitter. I go, Miles Straw has all the receipts. He has all the receipts. Oh, he does. Everyone. He does. I can't Absolutely. wait. Absolutely. I've been critical of him. I've been super critical of him. And then I've also been like, hey, just give this guy time. He's going to figure it out. But he's got the receipts and he's going to unleash fucking hellfire like Cersei herself in Game of Thrones on everyone after the season. I, I don't catch that reference, yeah, yeah. but it sounds phenomenal. Yeah, well, it sounds great. It sounds great. Just one Look, time. dude. Look, I have feel, culture, I have at times. Right now, I sure don't. That's okay. We're here. We're going to adapt and adjust on look, the fly. In-game adjustments. Look, Boom. I, I, here it is. It's very big of you to step up today on the 20th, 29th of June. Is it June? Yeah, it's June. It's June, um, yes. It's only May. And just way to step up, dude. I'm, I'm so <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> look, I'm growing up, okay? I'm growing up as But you know speak. what's crazy? But. You know what's crazy? Uh. Rubbin's racing. Rubbin's racing. No, cheers in it, bro. <laughs> There's something big that dropped today. <laughs> it's Tuesday, isn't it? <laughs> Tuesday, isn't it? <laughs> cheers, bro. We're on holiday, mate. Oh, uh, we se- segment two. We will discuss what uh, what what dropped today from our guy George Astros UK. But before we get into that, when it comes to Miles Straw and the receipts, if in a couple of weeks or in a couple of months, and the dude's hitting like two ninety, <laughs> and he's and he and he subtweets me. And it's one of me hating on him. I think I, I, I dropped a, a tweet, I don't know, maybe last month or month prior, I forgot, early in the season, where I said TFA, Miles Straw, immediately. <laughs> if he if he subtweets me or if he quote tweets me with that, I'm okay with it. Drop the hammer on me. I'm okay with it. That's fine. I was wrong. I was wrong as of right now. But I'll tell you what, if he drops back to slapdick, you know, that we saw in the beginning, then I'm probably going to be even more critical. Okay, and these people that are chirping on Twitter, there's one account that I saw today, and I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to call them out. But there's that one account that's like, where are the Ash or where's the Mile Straw haters at? Come at me, bro. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Okay, I, I, I don't have time for it. All right, was I critical? Yeah, Absolutely. you were right. Was I wrong? At the time, at the time, as Things of right change. now, things are fluid. We, we we yeah we duck we dive we dip we dodge baby that's it that's what we do baby at apollo h o u cheers mate cheers bro <laughs> fit birds eight so <laughs> so if you have yeah, i'm trying to trying to stay on the rail here trying Look, to trying to stay we, we've gotten a, a lot further in today's episode before going off the rails than last week so that's a that's gross oh, we sure did that's gross and i will say I will say to our listeners that uh, you will 100% catch Apollo Dez, myself, and our guy Spaceman at an Astros game, Rocket Fanny Pass. So book it. 
We'll be there, all three of us. Done. So get ready for it. Segment two, we have a a lot to get into. Piping hot story. Our, uh, oh yeah, our guy George Astros UK, his podcast on our Apollo Podcast Network, Stros Across the Globe. He's had he's had plenty of good guests. Hunts. Let me let me run down them. Let me run down them real quick. Stros, this is uh, he dropped episode twelve. Uh, Eleven, he had Francisco Romero. Uh, he's the Houston Astros Spanish radio play-by-play guy. He's had Julian Morales. He's had uh, Reed Ryan. He's had Ryan Presley. He's had Anoli Paredes. He's had Robert Ford. He's had Tony Kemp. He's had Jeff Blum, and he's had Todd Callis on. Uh, yeah, that'll do. That's a who's Look at that who. lineup. That's a who's who. That is. That is a who's who. Our guy George does a phenomenal job. He just had on El Oso Blanco. Oso Blanco you know and Jorge together. Yeah, Evan Gaddis, Bulldog, Be- Bulldog Bing on Twitter, joined our guy, George, from Astros UK. We'll dive in to that episode in segment two, which is right around the corner. Des, if you had to guess what they talked about, what would you say? Just off the top of your head, what do you think they talked um, about? Probably about life and art and culture <laughs> and the weather. Probably. <laughs> oh, the weather outside weather. is weather. Um, yeah, I think they oh. I think they probably talked about uh twenty seventeen. It's gonna go out on I a would legend. Say, say that. Maybe uh maybe just a little maybe bit, about right? league wide so, stuff. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. So you'll uh you'll have to wait and see. Segment two is right around the corner. That's gonna do it for segment one. And before we take a quick break, let me tell you a little bit about Eldridge roofing and restoration. EldridgeRoofsToFloors.com, located in Spring, Texas since 1998, family-owned, family-operated. Roofing, restoration, remodeling, from the roof to the floor. Mikey Eldridge and his entire family have been doing this since 1998. They've got water damage services, emergency services, blown-in insulation, gutters, chimney, fireplace repairs. If you want a studio built in your house, if you want a game room, a movie room, whatever you want, Eldridge Roofing and Restoration can handle it. Give them a call at 281-999-4663. They're on call 24-7. They service the entire Houston area, the Gulf Coast. Hurricane season is upon us. Get a complimentary roof inspection before a hurricane hits, before a hail damage. We've had rain all week here in Houston, Texas, and it's not going to stop. Eldridge Roofing and Restoration, eldridgeroofstofloors.com. Again, contact them at 281-999-4663. Roofing, restoration, remodeling from the roof to the floor, eldridgeroofstofloors.com, Eldridge Roofing and Restoration, people before profit. Brian, you know what's the best thing about Eldridge? I think everyone listening here has had a a hurricane story before, a flooding story. It, it, It happens here. It happens all the time here, unfortunately. And you just see all these money grabbing, all these shops come in and they come knocking on the door and you don't know who's in your house. And it, they would not be here today if they weren't a company that had strong, strong family values, know the city, know the people, and obviously someone that you can trust in their house to put it all back together. Because unfortunately, you hear all these horror stories time and time again, and uh, it's sad. So I, I'm glad that um, you introduced us to Eldridge and uh, can't help but um, excited to see that them to help our, our own people too is in the community. Yeah, absolutely. Check them out on Angie's list again. That's EldridgeRoofsToFloors.com. Des, that's going to do it for segment one, man. It flew, flew by. by. Segment two, right around the corner. We're going to talk about Evan Gaddis and George from Astros UK on our Apollo Podcast Network. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with segment two here on Beyond the Diamond Podcast. Segment two of Beyond the Diamond podcast is here. Brian Lalima, Apollo Dez here with you. Follow us on Twitter at blima790, at Apollo Dez one and of course, at Apollo H-O-U. And Dez, we're going to talk a little bit about the podcast that dropped today. You can check it out 
at Apollo HOU. Follow it on Twitter. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your streaming services may be. Go check it out. It's Strohs Across the Globe, presented by our guy, George. I'm not going to say Bonito. his last name. I'm not going to dox him. Not going to dox him a little bit. Um, Strohs Across the Globe. And segment one, I talked about the uh, list of guests that he has had, and it's a nice, strong list. This time, he had on Evan Gaddis. Obviously, Evan Gaddis spent a long time in the league after coming back from, uh, I mean, his, his story into the big leagues is insane. The dude was a, uh, I don't even know the correct word. What do you call it? Custodian? He was a custodian yeah. at one point. Um, and he made it back into the big leagues. He played his college ball over in Odessa, Texas uh, at UT Permian, UT Permian Basin, UTPB a small Division II school. I played out in Alpine. That's only two hours south of uh, Odessa. So we played UTPB all the time, um, obviously before, you know, after he was there. Uh, and, and a crazy thing is the guy that recruited and drafted him, Gerald Turner from the Braves, is the same guy that came to a lot of our games when I was at Sora State playing. My roommate got drafted by the Braves and Gerald Turner was there. Um, and just right off the bat, Listening to this podcast by George Strohs across the globe, man, what a genuine interview from Evan Gaddis. Just an absolute genuine interview. It's almost like he was relieved to finally get some of this off his chest from, from my standpoint. That's kind of what I got out of all of it. It's, it's a longer podcast. It's about two hours long, but it's well worth the listen. Um, and when I was with 790 and I was covering the Astros, Evan Gaddis was in and out of the clubhouse. You barely got to talk to him. You didn't see him. So for him to come on and talk as much as he did and, and in depth as he did with George is a thing of beauty to listen to. It really was. It was phenomenal because he did not talk to the media. Like literally in, out, boom, gone. You didn't see him. He was like a, a, a Fugazi. 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 Very yeah, nice. So it was great. It was a great listen. Yeah. I mean, obviously you got to experience being in a locker room uh, with him at your time, seven ninety, and interviewing probably one of the greatest teams ever assembled throughout you know this golden age and stuff. So you have your own personal experiences with him. I, I know you talked about him and JV kind of being intimidating, but the way that Gaddis not came across, but the way he just how he is as a human being, um, just brought kind of brought a smile to my face. He just seems like a good old boy that is just a guy being a dude, right? And just someone that you know that in a in a locker room is. Is chill, know he has your back, and you kind of saw it too when when fires came up, and 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 all these different things. You know, he he sent a text to check in on his you know his headspace and stuff like that. A lot of people probably didn't do it at the time when when the rat did the thing that he did, and I I think yep. you know things changed. But his first initial reaction was just checking on that guy's headspace. So, um, it was a great interview, absolutely great. If you haven't listened, if you haven't listened to it yet, please go do it. Um. I think one of the we could we can dive in into the cheating and the quotes and all that, but to hear Evan Gaddis talk about Luis Villabuena and yeah, that's to break down. That's the first note. That's the first note that I have on here because I took a bunch of notes. So go ahead. That's the, literally like the first thing that I took from this entire interview. Yeah. So I think I think we really desensitize these athletes uh, as a fan base, as Astros Twitter, as whatever. Um, you just see them on TV and you know, the, the scene and, and wedding crash where it's like, make me a bicycle clown. It's kind of like that, mm -hmm. right? We don't realize that these are human beings and they, they have emotions. They have bad days, just like all of us, you know? Um, sometimes they wake up on the wrong side of the bed, just like how we do every single day and go to work. Like it's, it's just cause they're pro ball players doesn't mean they're not human. And so to, to hear that, um, pain and still sadness when Luis felt just raw raw, raw emotion. emotion yeah that's yeah um that's tough because I, I've been in a clubhouse where I lost a teammate um and it stays with you and it, it, it never goes away and um it sucks and that you you saw the human side that we as fans and the fan base don't see because it's just all right, what did you do for me today at the plate or in the bullpen or whatever that is? And so I think that was like the biggest thing that there's going to be a lot of things that go viral in that interview, but that should be up there because it was so raw and um, it was 
it was really, really um, heartfelt in a way that I was like, I related, yeah, heart- I related to that quite a bit. Heartfelt is a, a very good term for this portion of the podcast that we're talking about. If we're talking about the Stros across the globe, Astros UK, check them out on Twitter. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, wherever your streaming services are. Um, George got to interview Evan Gaddis. And one thing that Des and I are talking about is uh, Luis Valbuena. If you, forgot, if you forget about Luis Valbuena, he played for the Astros for you know a few years. And uh, he's pretty well known for the pimp jobs, um, bat flips. He hit a couple of walk, big-time walk-off bombs for the Astros with massive pimp jobs, which is phenomenal. Uh, and he was killed in Venezuela. Yeah. And it was something, and I don't know the exact story here, so don't quote me on this. I'm just, you know, from what I remember and what Evan Gaddis and George talked about, um, it was like a robbery gone wrong. And he was killed because of it. He was essentially, he was murdered because of it. A life taken way too short. Wait, way too, wait, it was, his life was cut short. Um, And if you don't, if you don't have any feel about what's going on in the world, it's a shit show in Venezuela. There, there's a lot of, of bad things going on in that country. Um, and so for ballplayers to get out of there and get to the United States or wherever you go play professional baseball, that's, that's an accolade in itself, right? And I think what we do as fans, um, I think you and I are a little different, Des, because we played baseball at the college level. Um, we put these players on uh, a pedestal and we make them immortal, yeah, right? Yeah, you see guys like I, I've never been around Michael Jordan. And I think that's one of the guys, if I did see them, I would be like, holy shit, that's Michael Jordan. He's like invincible. Right. But at the end of the day, they're human. They're, they're regular people. They are humans. Um, so for, and, and George brought up Valbuena talking about, I think it was either the 2015 or the 2016 season. I can't remember which one it was. Valbuena hit a walk-off bomb. Um, and then he tried to, he tried to, he segued from that to asking Evan Gaddis about all the triples that Evan Gaddis hit in one season. I think he had, I forgot the number, but it was like astronomically high. And if you don't know Evan Gaddis, Evan Gaddis is like six foot four, like the, the, the saying built like a six brick shit house. Yeah. Built like a brick shit house, like country man, good old boy strong. Yeah. That's Evan Gaddis for him to hit triples that many. I 11. forgot how many he hit that year. 11 and 11. That's insane. That's insane. That is absolutely crazy to me. George tried to segue to that, and Evan said, hey, sorry, hang on. I'm still on Valbuena. Give me a second. And you could hear him getting emotional about it. That's where you really see the human side of of an athlete, right? Very heartfelt, um, very, uh, like I said, raw emotion. That's what, and like you brought it up, but that was literally the first note on my notes on my iPhone. I was listening to it at the gym. I listened to it this morning. And I was just writing notes as, as we went, you know, went through the, the podcast. Because, again, it's a long podcast, but there's so much good info in there. So for him to do, and it's relatively early in the podcast. So for him to get emotional like that, it just shows, you know, it shows more of the personable side of Evan Gaddis. And I, it was, uh, it caught me off guard for sure. But I, I, thir- I hate to say that I enjoyed hearing him get emotional. But selfishly, I liked hearing that he got emotional. It just shows what type of guy is, what type of guy he is. And you said it about Mike Fires. Mike Fires broke a code in the clubhouse or a locker room, whether it's football, basketball, hockey. I don't give a shit. What happens in your clubhouse or your respective locker room stays in that fucking clubhouse. 100%. It doesn't. It, there are things that happen in the clubhouse when I was in college playing that I will never, never talk about. Because it stays it's a there. family. It stays it, in the family and it's dealt yeah. with inside the family. Inside. If you had a problem with somebody on your team, you, you handled it in the clubhouse. That's 100% how you do it. So that's the biggest issue for me when it comes to Mike Fires. We can call him a rat. We can call him a, a pussy for, um, for, for not pitching against the Astros and, and always going on the IL. But at the end of the day, you, he 100% broke the code. You broke that code, and that pisses me off more than anything. And Evan Gaddis texted Mike Fires after he came out with it, blew the whistle, so to speak, and he checked yeah. on him. Like, that, I'm not checking on him. I'm texting him saying, fuck you. 100%. You're an asshole. Next time I see you, I'm going to punch you in the fucking throat. That's, that's bullshit to me. But Evan Gaddis took a different route. He checked on his headspace. 
He said, how are you doing? I know a lot of guys are coming after you left and right, blah, blah, blah. A lot of people hate you on Twitter or whatever it is. Just shows what type of guy Evan Gaddis is. Just a gentle giant, <laughs> so yeah. to speak, right? So I, it's a good, it's just, man, the, the podcast as a whole is phenomenal. George, kudos to George because he did a damn good job on this one. Yeah, absolutely killed it. Um, I think that the the way the podcast goes and it's it's a good good two hours. Uh, but I, I've we've been on that end, right, Brian? We've done interviews where we were yeah. like, "Wow, how was that already an hour?" You know, it's I just feel like that was a conversation George had with with Evan, and and it it was really cool to see how it played out. And we can we can start going into kind of what was what was said. And there was a couple of quotes that really stood out to me. Um, from Evan, you know, he goes, somebody needed something to be mad about in New York. I don't know. Houston marched through Boston, New York and LA and came back with a fucking trophy. Uh, that really resonated with me because that those stories of 2017 are, and those memories will never be taken away from me, no matter what some, you know, John boy, 1982, six, seven, one fan will say on, on Twitter, like, okay, cool, bro. Like that's, you're not taking that away from me. Like the memories I have with my family and, and all of that and, and celebrating downtown. Like, are you kidding me? So, um, that was one quote that really stood out, uh, a lot. Yeah. So for me, one talking about the 2017 world series, here's another quote. Uh, we're going into dot and he's talking about his whole, the whole Astros team. Yeah, we're going into Dodger Stadium like, yeah, we're coming from the American League. They're in the National. They bunt and shit. Well, we play varsity here. End quote. <laughs> that like, was a great. Just, just shit like that. Like, right? And then he said in game one, he, he, you know, right off of Dallas Keigel, boom, it's a home run. And they're like, them as a team, they're like, okay, shit. shit. Yeah, yeah they're, we, we're going to have ourselves a series here. Um, and another thing, talking about his personal side. After uh, George asked him, what, what's the, what's the mindset? What is it? I think something along the lines of like, what's your mindset? What does it feel like to, to win a world series, to play that last game and win and raise up that trophy. And Gaddis kind of talked about, uh, he said, it didn't matter what season it didn't matter how long, but at the end of the season, he would cry because it was such a sense of relief. The season's over playing 162 games is an absolute grind. In college, we played, I don't know, somewhere close to 50 games, depending on how we did in the postseason. Um, but 40-plus games, for me, was a fucking grind. I couldn't imagine. Now, again, uh, these guys get all the treatment they need. They get all the food, the protein. Um, you know, you get your, if you need a cryo chamber, you need to hyper, get your hypervolt, whatever it is. They get all the, the, the good, top-notch medical treatment, whatever, right? But still, to play 162 games, it, imagine being a starter in the big leagues, like a like a, a posi- everyday position you're player. What, you're playing 140 to 150? Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine that? Dude, my body Holy really shit. hurts with you just Dude, saying exactly. That. So for him, so I, I relate with that. Obviously, I didn't play minor league baseball, didn't play, uh, obviously didn't play professional, you know, up in, up in the big leagues, but... I remember playing in college and being on bus rides home, like eight, nine hour drives back home, just miserable, just tired, sore, out of it. I couldn't imagine playing 162 games and being an everyday player, 140, 150 of those games you're playing. My goodness. So for him to say, yeah, I would cry. And again, big dude, tough dude. And he's crying because he has so much sense of relief. That's another thing that stuck out, stuck out to me in the interview. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think you nailed it. It just shows the human side of it. I think the other quotes that really stood out to me, he's like, would you rather just lose the cheaters and hang out and be noble? noble yeah, like, yeah. Everyone was doing it and we were cheating against cheaters. I really didn't care about morality more. Fuck that. We're going to win. Um, when he, when everyone started to realize that everyone's doing something and <laughs> it was kind of funny when George, you know, cause George has that fabulous English vocabulary for that Oxford that Oxford kind of flair to it. And he talked about just how the Neanderthal, the banging on the trash can was so like allegedly how complicated and, and the system that we had, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, they just use the trash can to relay the signs. And it, it's funny because you, you can hear Evan, like it, it click with him. Just like, and he just started cracking up laughing. 
Yeah. Because he was like, yeah. yeah, it was it was so Neanderthal because they were just hit a, hit on a trash can and and so I I think the um I I think the way that he described it and how it all kind of came about in in the interview that Jorge put together was just uh really strong and beautiful because it it, it shows that we did what we, what we did whatever but it also shows the why behind it and not so much the how it's talking about the why and showing what other teams are doing and what, what they're kind of doing. And it was just, I think the one line that stood out, he was like how complicated the signs were. And he was like, thank God for Brian McCann. Right. Because he was like, if I was, if I was catching in the world series, our signs were so complicated. I didn't even know what to, what to do. It was like, you know, the Navajo code can even be break it. Like, yeah, that's how difficult and how crazy. And, And I think when we look back and, 20 30 years it's just a mass hysteria like this cold war of just of every team cheating or doing something it was just i mean those world series games were like seven hours long like i think the condensed version on youtube is like two and a half hours right so right it was just relieving in a way to hear um him talk through it and, and and not work through it but kind of tell his side of the story and everything and the giggle that he had with when they when he said that the system was you know when it was presented to him and and implemented like he was like happy about it but then he said like it didn't even fucking work like I have my worst career year yeah. like because we we played the game Brian and we stole signs in college we cheated we we stole we did too hey first Absolutely. name fastball last name off speed exactly hey, thank hey, you hey come on yes. come on Des here we go okay yeah yeah you know, I'm not gonna dox my own self but um like. You're you're doing that, and so if I hated getting relayed signs because if if too. someone's if, if for instance in the exact example off speed was Des, and so was like hey come on Des here you go and all right okay here comes off speed and someone blew a fastball by me that fastball looks a hundred and five instead of ninety five because right. you're you're expecting off speed you're thinking about it and then they throw something you're not expecting and it looks way faster and then your whole headspace is fucked that entire at bat so I hated yep. it. Um, right. There's other guys that loved it and thrived off it, and that was just them. And so, and I had no ill will towards them. Like, hey, be better protecting your do side, your thing. dude. Like, yeah, do your thing. We're gonna yeah. pick it up. And I was a pro- I blew out my knee. I was out my entire junior year, but I was so good at picking up and stealing signs. Coach let me travel with the team and pick up signs. That was my only job. Chart. We, we and had pick up signs. Yeah. And I was out for the. We 100. We had 100 had the same thing. One of our pitchers was out for the whole season. He traveled with us because he literally could pick up signs in the first inning in the first inning and we had the same thing first name fastball uh last name off speed i used it one time we were playing trinity they came into our place they were nationally ranked their three guys their three starters were like all six foot five chunking 92 to 94 because trinity if you don't anything about division three trinity out of san antonio they're basically a d1 program they get badass athletes from california from all over the nation mainly from california they get all really good players from california that somehow just don't make it to the Division One level, whatever it is. I used it one time, one time, and the guy and the guy that was doing it was right. And I, I got my first college hit. It was my sophomore year. I hit a BB back up the middle because I knew a fastball was coming. After that, I said, I don't want to have it because I don't want to be uncomfortable in the box more than I already yeah. am. Bas- baseball is hard. Very hard. Going into a box knowing that there's a possibility that a 90-mile-an-hour 90 fastball can come at your head or a slider that's going to drop off and you're going to look like a jackass. It's uncomfortable as it is. I don't want to be even more uncomfortable. And that's what Evan Gaddis talked about. He said the biggest thing from the cheating that they did, it just allowed them to have a more comfortable at bat at home. And if you know anything about the Astros during that year, they were god awful at home. They weren't good at home. They were better on the road. So it didn't work. And they were literally like what, what Gaddis talked about. He said everyone knew we were cheating. Everyone knew everyone else was cheating. Everyone has some sort of system. And he said, he kind of giggled. He said, man, when I figured out what we were doing and was introduced for me, he said, I was stoked on it. He said, he's, and he was like giggling, right? He's like, man, you know how cool it is to hear a trash can bang? And the next thing you know, you see George Springer hit a tank onto the tracks. Like, ha, holy shit, this thing works, right? And we're going to win. And then another thing, we've talked about this time in and time out, especially over the last month because of the sticky situation going on with the pitchers, right? The culture of baseball has had a cheating aspect for over a hundred years. A hundred years. It's going on right now. Literally, we steal bases. 
It's exactly. in the game. We steal, dude. Base. We're stealing. Why do you think? Why do you think they call it a steal? It's cheating. Who gives a shit? And then he talked about that 2017. The how long those games were. He talked about it um, in, in on the podcast where he says it was like the Astros are using Morse code. Yeah. He said there was like 84 mound visits, and that's why MLB came down and changed the rule. You're welcome. To, they limited, yeah, they limited the mound visits. So if the Astros are using Morse code, and the Astros have have to change up signs so much, and he says like you you already mentioned, thank you to Brian McCann because I couldn't imagine catching Justin Verlander in the World Series and having to change the signs so so damn much. Why are they changing signs, Des? Why did they have to change signs? I uh, wonder. Maybe this quote, everyone has a system. Everyone knows a buddy that has a buddy on the Dodgers. Ex on the Dodgers. Huh. Everyone is cheating. <laughs> everyone. I don't. And me personally, it's just like Gattis said. I don't give a shit. If you're trying to find a competitive edge in the game of baseball to play the best game of baseball, then fuck it. Who cares? Like right now, he says, I don't give a shit about the, the sticky substance stuff. And he wouldn't, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't say specifically what guys are using. I can only assume he's talking about the spider attack. Um, but he said, I don't give a shit. Yeah. I don't care. I mean, if he said, because back in 2017, he said there was like 24 teams that were trying to tank. He said, it's not good for baseball. It's not good for the fans. It's not good for the league. We can't have every team trying to tank. So if guys are using sticky substances or if they're using uh, some videos or a trash can just to try to play the best baseball they can, then I'm all for it because it's good for the league. So to hear him talk about that and then to also reiterate, which we kind of already knew, that Carlos Beltran and Alex Cora were the main guys, uh, you know, instituting the cheating yeah. with the Astros. I mean, he just kind of re reaffirmed what we, or what I personally believed and knew, right? And then he, he talked about, uh, George asked him a question about, uh, do you think the player or no, he said, do you think the outrage and the hate from people is justified? And he said, I don't give a shit about fans. They're going to, they're going to be mad about anything and everything they can. Yeah. And he says, but players, I understand it for me. I'll, and I'll, I'll get your opinion on this too. For me, I think some of it back then was fake player out, out outrage. And the name that comes to mind is Aaron Judge. Remember that dumbass press conference where he tried to say that the something about MVP and then wait, his teammates what? were coming out saying that that was a Altuve. That? That, wait, yeah. what? What? Yeah, Fuck like that Altuve stole his MVP, all that bullshit. That's a hypocritical statement. It's a hypocritical fake faux Fugazi Fugazi outrage. Aaron Judge and the Yankees, all of the Dodgers, the Red Sox, and probably half the fucking league we're all using some sort of cheating. It's crazy when the MLB union finally issued something to the players that all that stopped within, you know, 24 hours. Kind of yeah. weird, you know? Like, hey, weird, isn't it? you guys are all fucking cheating. You're over here now right. in the media shitting on these guys who just fucking really jumped on the grenade for everyone. Uh, we're a fucking union. And so I, I think the other unique thing that... Gaddis and Jorge got into in the thing was talking about the Rangers in 2016 or talking about the past teams really talking about the 2015 team you know they're 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 one you know hot inning away from the the Royals for from beating them at home and that one weird bounce from on Correa's glove side and to beating the Royals who ended up winning the World Series and he was like hey I don't think we had a chance to win but you know he started working through. He's like, you know, we might have had a chance. You know, they paired up well against Toronto, and then the the Mets are gonna Mets, right? And so, and then he was he the way he talked about that 2016 team that the Rangers, you know, knocked us out of the uh, from getting in the playoffs, and they only had a plate a plus eight run differential that season that that Beltran Rangers team did, and so that's kind of weird when you look at it looking back because he was talking about like. Hey, this guy couldn't hit anything, and now he's hitting everything. Talking about Beltran at the time. And to hear that and hear how pissed off he was at how everything was lining up, like pitching certain guys down the stretch where he's like, hey, we're chasing one game. Why are we Why are we doing this? To hear that frustration from a player relates really well with me because I was always questioning coaches. That's just what I did. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So to hear that was like, oh, shit. Okay, I, 
I've been there. Like, I, I've been in his, his cleats before. Like, what the fuck are we doing here, man? Like, we have a chance to win this game. What are we doing? Uh, but to talk about that 18 team, um, the team that lost to the to Alex Cora's Apple Watch. Red Sox, yeah. Red Sox. Um, <laughs> it, Dude, he's, he said, Gaddis said that 2018 team was the, the best. best in the yeah, world. I was, and they and lost. They lost. And I, I, think, I think a lot was injuries. I, Altuve was beat up. Uh, he's playing on one knee, basically. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, Destiny. Yeah. It was a team of Destiny for the they Red had, Sox. They got, they every, got every, bounce. every bounce, every call, the Joe West the bullshit out in right field. I was JBJ yeah, being fucking Mickey Mantle. Right, dude, hitting they a fucking They had to have nuke, everything go you know? their way to win. <laughs> and they did. And they had it. looking like Nolan Ryan. <laughs> yeah, dude, what the sh- You know, I mean, just a- a- anything and everything that went right, went right for, and for the, the Red Astros Sox that year. And the Astros were still there to steal a series. And look at look at that pitching rotation that the Astros had. Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Dallas, uh, Lance McCullers, Charlie Morton. Uh, and, and Charlie Morton. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, man. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, that it was it was such a great interview. And I think we could talk hours about yeah. it, but we we it, could. We definitely could. It was just so much to unpack and I think next episode as well we'll we'll touch on what things we when we go back and re-listen because there's going to be some stuff we missed but I I highly 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 recommend checking that podcast out. Um it's in our network. Like you said you named the list of all the people Jorge's had on it. It's a who's who's list. Like he gets everyone and he has that Oxford language and it it literally wants me to like Go study abroad at university over there because I want to talk like that. I'm going with. I'm going with. I think the la- we're coming up on time here for segment two, but I think the last thing that I want to touch on when it comes to uh, the Strohs Across the Globe episode with uh, Evan Gaddis and our, and our guy Jorge, uh, he brought up Jeff Luno a little bit. He didn't talk about him a lot. Um, he talked about A.J. Hinch as well. He said he loves A.J. Hinch. He loved playing for him. Um, he didn't go into detail about if AJ Hinch should, should have stopped it more, done more, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. He didn't want to go down that road. Okay. That's fine. When he talked about, uh, the Astros, um, he said, Jeff Luno gets a bad rap, but him and the Astro, him and the entire organization of the Houston Astros were actively trying to win. He said one, they traded for me in 2015. So I was like, Oh shit. They like me. He said the Astros were more personable than the Braves because the Astros were owned by one person or persons and the Braves weren't owned by one person. And it come what that speaks to me. And I, I know this is beyond the diamond podcast. And I know we, this is a, a baseball Astros baseball podcast um, or just the game in general. I think I just want to speak on the city of Houston real yeah, quick. Absolutely. When it comes to actively trying to win we saw a golden age of Houston sports. 100%. The Astros were so good. The Houston Rockets were one bad hamstring away from going to the NBA or Finals. A super they, team they won. of Golden State Warriors they, away. Right, and they would have won the NBA title. They would have blown out uh, uh, LeBron James and, and Cleveland. And then you got the Houston Texans. And I'm not going to go on a rant about the Houston Texans. People that know me know that I can't stand what, they, what they're doing. But when you look at what we got to live through with that golden age, and the Astros are still there with, with, with what they are. Obviously, the Rockets are in a rebuild. The Texans are a complete shit show and a dumpster fire. But the Rockets and the Astros had general managers and owners that were going the extra mile to actively win. And I think that's not recognized enough here in the city of Houston. The Astros... Look at what Luno did as far as the moves that he made. Going and getting Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander. I mean, things like that. The Houston Rockets, they brought in Chris Paul. Obviously, it didn't work out. Whatever. They were always actively trying to win. The Houston Texans haven't done shit to try to actively win. That's a different topic for another podcast. We might even bring back the Apollo Hour to talk about that when football season gets here. But I don't think us as sports fans really recognize what Jeff Luno did and what uh, Daryl Morey did for the Rockets. And again, I know this is a baseball podcast, but for Evan Gaddis to say that the Astros were actively trying to win, um, I don't think it gets enough recognition. I really don't. Um, that, that's kind of the last thing that, that I wanted to talk about. Uh, I just I, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to all two hours, whatever it was. I think it was a little over two hours. And it, fl- it flies again, by. Like, it's an interview yeah. that 
has so much raw emotion that has um great baseball stories great dialogue and kind of just guys being dudes that's it that's the name of, we're gonna try to get him guys yeah, on we're we're 100 getting along we're definitely gonna try that but man that's that's gonna do it for for this episode des you got anything before we get out no, of here? nothing much um actually i can say it now i mean i love you guys oh okay so we're not gonna we're not gonna save that for the end oh huh? i mean you wanted me to sign off i have nothing else oh you can oh, come okay. you can throw it back to me uh maybe i don't know we'll see it's it's getting uh, we've kept it on the rails yeah. enough i think we should probably sign off before it does that's gonna do it for another edition of beyond the diamond podcast check us out on twitter at b lima 790 at apollo des one and of course at apollo hou we talked about evan gaddis in his interview by uh jorge for astros uk check that podcast out at strows across the globe on all your major streaming services spotify apple podcast wherever you get your music or podcasts Definitely check him out on Twitter at Astros UK. Um, great interview. Great job by George. And look, the Astros struggling a little bit. They're going to try to get back on the winning ways. They take on the Orioles tonight. Um, they've got a couple series left. But right around the corner is going to be the All-Star break, So, uh, which Dez and I are going to try yeah, to make. If you're listening, um, throw some money our way to give us out there, sponsors. Holla! We're going ch- to check it out. That's going to do it. For my co-host, Apollo Dez, I am Brian Lalima. Of course, thank you all for listening. Thank you for the support. Check us out on Twitter at Apollo H-O-U. That's going to do it for another edition of Beyond the Diamond Podcast here on the Apollo Podcast Network. Here's a ground ball right side. Could do it. You bloody knob, it's Tuesday. Your nose are wild, mate. <laughs> Cheers, bruv. Oh, oh, all right. There, God, put that on the blue. There you go, Josh. There you go.